0: Hey everybody, it's Mike from the Mike Wagner Show, powered by Sockwap Studios, and brought to you by our official sponsor of the Mike Wagner Show, international Warring Author Mia Mosin's "The Missing, available on Amazon at Paperback and ebook. We're here with a terrific gentleman who was born in Liverpool, England. He's a retired Air Force colonel and held uh, several senior military um leadership uh, position possession roles in national security management, including um ne- neutrality, nuclear, and also the um the chemical warfare, biological warfare, and also uh, this has happened uh, against the U.S. And he's also a member of the Mystery Writers of um, America, and uh, he's currently um, you know, based, based uh, in South Florida. He has a new book which focuses on who really killed uh, President John F. Kennedy and all the fiendish uh, machinations behind the assassination. Also, his uh, previous books, The Twilight of the Day, The Seventh Seal, The Barbarossa, And more as well, too. And live, ladies and gentlemen, from the Plus Studios in beautiful downtown uh, somewhere in South Florida along Palm Beach, um, the amazing retired Air Force colonel, and also the uh, new book, The Pegasus Directive. Ladies and gentlemen, the multi-talented author, Ian A. O'Connor. Ian, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you for such a wonderful introduction. And great indeed, too. It's uh great people like you that make things happen. So you're a retired Air Force Colonel, you held several uh senior military leadership positions in national security management, and you also are a member of Mystery Writers of America, and you also um have books of The Twilight of the Day, The Seventh Seal, The Barbarossa, you know, Covenant, and also where you co-authored a Scrappy as well to a memoir of a US fighter pilot, and you have a new book called The Pegasus Directive, which focuses on who really killed President John F. Kennedy. It's not what you expect, guys. And before getting to all that, Ian, tell us how you first got started.
1: On this particular book, uh, the story goes back to 1972 to 1974. It's when I originally wrote the story. I sent it to uh, various publishing houses and agents in New York. They held on to it for several months. This is 1974 now. It's the height of Watergate. And after holding it for several months, they uh, they all declined to have anything to do with the book. Their reasoning was the topic is too hot. All of the principles are still alive. Uh, We're just not going to want to handle it at this time. So I just had to sort of put it on ice, move on to other things, which I did. And uh, lo and behold, here we are 50 years later, coming up on the 60th anniversary of the president's death. And uh, it was the perfect time to have it uh, have it published, and uh, that's where we are now.
0: Mm-hmm. And of course, spending six years as well too, and of course, you being an author as well too. And um, was it one precise moment that simply influenced you into becoming an author, and for the rest of your career?
1: Well, you know, I've enjoyed reading from the time I was in my early teens. In fact, the first book that I really remember having a an impact on me. Was from an unknown British author at the time. The book was Casino Royale. The unknown author was a man named Ian Fleming.
0: Yes, well, I remember that yeah. the
1: movie. Yes, so uh, I found his story to be absolutely fascinating. I followed the rest of his books. Uh, started reading uh, other authors, and you know, was funny at that particular time, the uh, the world of the thrillers was kind of dominated by the English, whether it be Jeffrey Archer. Uh, the uh, the author of the Day of the Jackal, uh, the Americans in some respect were a little late coming to the scene, but when they did get on the scene, they tended to dominate, and 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 that's where we are today. So that's kind of the uh, the advent of where uh, where my
0: career started was following the best, mm-hmm. and certainly the best indeed as well too. And uh, and besides Ian Fleming, who are some other favorite authors and writers growing up.
1: Well, in in those days, like I say, Jeffrey Archer uh, certainly comes to mind Uh, in the in the modern day. um, I've been a big fan of uh, Brad Meltzer. Brad's books uh, have just been wonderful. And uh, on top of that, he's just a wonderful human being, too. So it adds to uh, to the flavor of what Brad brings to
0: the uh, brings to the table. Mm-hmm. and certainly indeed as well too and of course uh, this also brings you um part of the elite group with twilight of the day the seventh seal and the um Barbarossa, you know covenant he also co-authored scrappy as well too and the new book that pegasus directed with um ian a o'connor we'll get to that in just one minute but first listen to the mike wagner show at the mike powered by sonic web studios visit online at sonicwebstudios.com for all your needs look at a professional website without breaking your budget sonic web studios is the answer sonic web studios offers fast affordable custom web designs that below the competition way Call today, 1-800-303-3960. That's 1-800-303-3960. Or email to support at SonicWebStudios.com. Mention the Mike Weidner Show. Get 20% off your first project. Sonic Web Studios, take your image to the next level. Also, time to give a official shout-out to our official sponsor, the Mike Weidner Show, International War Ring author Mia Zia. If you love Fast-Based Mysteries, you'll love Missing by Mia Moussensia. Available on Amazon and paperback in ebook. Missing is fast-paced and intriguing with an unforgettable twist. Takes place in four countries. Two strangers, one target. Where truth and illusion and those you love will be the first to go missing. It's available on Amazon in paperback and ebook. Missing by Mia and has got great reviews. An evil love and enjoys by Hollywood celebrities, including Joanna Cassie, Forge Riley, and So grab your copy today for "Girls Missing by Mia Moussensia, available on Amazon. Also check out the Mike Widener show at the Mike Widener our 40 podcast platforms heard in hundred countries, including Facebook, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Also on Odyssey, Apple, Bit, shoot rumble YouTube. Make sure you subscribe and don't forget to take us with you on any mobile device. Follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and threads. And for great gift ideas, go to amazon.com. Check out the Mike Widener show podcast. T-shirts, pop sockets, throw pillows, tote bags, hoodies makes great gifts twenty-four seven. Go to Amazon.com, check out the Mike Wedner Show podcast, and for more great gift ideas. Go to amazon.com slash me and Melson Zia for great books like missing once and wrinkles, also t-shirts, pop sockets, hoodies, phone cases, and more amazon.com slash me and Melson Zia. Check it out today and support the Mike Weidner show on anchor FM, PayPal, and the Mike show.com. We're here with the retired air force colonel and also the author of the book, the Pegasus directive, Ian A. O'Connor here on the Mike Weidner show. And of course, um, you know, becoming an author. You've been in the air force for quite some time. And, uh, tell us about your uh, wonderful career and, um, being an Air Force colonel, also getting to uh, national security?
1: Well, um, I graduated college in 1964, 1965. I was accepted into OTS in the Air Force. Uh, I started out in pilot training, unfortunately got scarlet fever. So that sort of put me out of that side of the game. But uh, I ended up in intelligence uh, in Southeast Asia. And uh, my career lasted Six, seven years on active duty. I was fortunate enough to remain in the reserves, uh, had a career in the reserves, got put back on active duty uh, during the Gulf War, given command. In fact, I was the only reserve officer given command of an active duty squadron in a fighter wing. And uh, as a result of that, uh, again, I was fortunate enough to get promoted to full colonel. So it was been just a wonderful, wonderful career. And it
0: gave me a lot of fodder for my books. Mm -hmm. And, and of course, you'll be in the Gulf War. What was the one memorable moment that you are involved in? Well, fortunate enough for me, uh, I was assigned
1: to the 31st Fighter Wing at Homestead Air Force Base. At that particular time, they were upgrading their uh, brand-new F-16s from what we call uh, Block 10, Block 20 to Block 30, Block 40. So by the time they were ready to rotate us into the Gulf, war was over
0: I <laughs> you like that <laughs> oh my goodness that is something and of course you went on to national security management in uh, being involved with um neut- neutralizing nuclear biological and uh chemical warfare against the u.s and um you know that's also um you know a big part of it too it is indeed and uh boy, we know what the world is like today so uh what was uh,
1: forefront for me in the uh, in the 1990s as a colonel, uh, it's there just in stark, naked contrast. It's there today. And uh, these people in that particular field, they've got their hands full.
0: Mm, they certainly do as well, too. And of course, you know, everything all plays out. And of course, the events that happened with you being the Air Force and also in the Gulf War has been the basis of the books. You also wrote The Twilight of the Day, The Seventh Seal and the uh, Barbarossa. Covenant as well, too. He also co-authored Scrappy, a memoir of a U.S. fighter pilot. And, um, you know, tell us more about those books and uh, what inspired you to write them.
1: Well, the first book that was published was The Twilight of the Day. Very interesting story. Uh, In fact, when it was published, I had friends in the Pentagon who contacted me and said, are you giving away information that should never be uncovered? And uh, I said, no, this is strictly fiction. Basically, the story revolved around Ten U.S. Air Force and Navy pilots, known prisoners of war, known to be the Hanoi Hilton. And literally hours before the peace treaty was signed, these ten known prisoners disappeared off the face of the earth. Well, it turns out that they were sold to a rogue country for 70 million dollars because these men not only being pilots, they had one other particular talent that was looked upon as necessary in this particular regime. And that was, they all had backgrounds in nuclear physics.
0: Wow. Nuclear physics. That was something. And and what was the reason for them, uh, you know, know, taking taking hostage and being used for nuclear physics?
1: Well, as you can imagine, the the despot, the antagonist was Colonel Gaddafi of Libya. Mm. And we know that he was working on, trying to develop a nuclear weapon the same as Iran is today. But the big stumbling block that he was facing was being able to manufacture a trigger to detonate a nuclear weapon. A lot of people can enrich uranium to a 90 plus percent, which is necessary for a nuke, but the talent comes with being able to trigger that explosion in such a way that it takes place in a microsecond and it's a uniform explosion. And that's where Gaddafi knew he needed help and he searched around, where am I going to get this help? And some idea of his said, let's go to the prison camps in North Vietnam. We know that some of their pilots have these backgrounds. He called the public records and discovered that these 10 men were who he was looking for. So he offered North Vietnamese money, they accepted, and these 10 men disappeared.
0: Oh, my goodness. And that was a very interesting book. That's why of the day, of course, you're not going to get into too much of it and to give it away. You also have the Seventh Seal as well. And uh, tell us more about that one.
1: The Seventh Seal and uh, its follow-on book, The Barbarossa Covenant, deals with a retired FBI agent who finds himself sort of drawn into an international conspiracy involving the Russians and the Vaticans and the quest for power in uh, in Moscow at the time, uh, what the Russians were attempting to do was literally move the congregation of cardinals from Rome to Moscow, have them under the control of the patriarch of Russia, even though the Pope would still be the nominal head, and Basically, they would be able to sort of control Christendom. Once you've controlled all of Christendom, then you can certainly look for a world domination that the Russians have been looking for since
0: 1917. Hmm, that is really interesting. And of course, um, you know, ha- having that as well too. And of course, you know, we're all getting close at Seventh Seal. You also co-authored Scrappy as well too, a mo- memoir of U.S. fighter pilot, and um, you know, you contributed to that one pretty good.
1: Scrappy was a very interesting subject, and I say was because he just died within the last year at 101 years of
0: age. Oh, my goodness. I think I saw that now come to think of it. I'm glad you reminded me. 101? 101
1: years of age, and he was a fighter pilot's fighter pilot. Scrappy made the name for himself in 1958 when he took a stock F-104 fighter, up to the edge of space. No one had ever been beyond 80,000 feet. He took this airplane up to like 101,000 feet, maybe just a slight less, and uh, was successfully landed back at Edwards Air Force Base. And for that feat, he won the Collier uh, Award in that year. Now, to put it in perspective, 10 years before him, the winner of the Collier Award was a guy named uh, uh, Chuck Yeager and Chuck oh, Yeager you yes, know the speed Jordan's, record that's right there you go he broke the sound barrier and uh 10 years after scrappy a guy named Neil Armstrong was awarded the Collier trophy for some particular flight he did so mm-hmm. scrappy was in very good company his life story was absolutely fascinating
0: now now a question i kind of had you thought about uh, you know having um scrappy go up to about uh uh, what well, was 101,000 feet, 80,000 feet. And uh, what, what was his motive right there to uh, make him go that high? What was his motive? Well, his motive
1: was he volunteered the uh, Air Force and uh, Kelly Johnson at Lockheed said, we want to set a world record. We think we've built the airplane to do it, the F-104. And uh, they wanted just a line pilot from the Air Force to to be the one to break the record. And uh, whether it was the short straw or not, Scrappy was picked and uh, Scrappy flew the mission. (laughs) He made it look easy as well, too. He made it look easy, but I can tell you that Scrappy, when he landed at Edwards, he had zero fuel in his tanks. It was like a dead stick landing because they needed that airplane to be as light as
0: possible in order to be able to zoom it up to the height that he took it. And and so it, it had to have like almost zero fuel to get up to 101,000 feet. Is that right? Well, they had calculated at
1: Edwards how much fuel you needed to take off, to get out to the test range, to set the right parameters, to zoom the airplane. And uh, part of the test said, if you want to make a flight record, you have to land back at the place you started. So if he had landed at an alternate field because of running out of fuel, the record wouldn't have, wouldn't have counted for anything. So it was kind of touch and go.
0: Mm-hmm. And certainly did as well too. And of course, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, major events with uh, author Ian O'Connor here on the Mike Wagner show. And uh, before we talk about the um, Pegasus directive as well too, we're going to take a little time out with Ian O'Connor. Listen to the Mike Wagner show at the Mike powered by Soundcraft studios and brought to you by official sponsor of the Mike Wagner show, international warring author, Mia Molson's missing we'll be back with author Ian A. O'Connor of the Pegasus Directive after this time we're back with the multi-talented author ian A. o'connor of the pegasus directive here on the mike wagner show the new book focuses on who really killed president john f kennedy and all the fiendest machinations behind the assassination and tell us more about the book and um what inspired to um to write especially finding out um who actually killed president kennedy it wasn't the uh the the two that mentioned in the news
1: well As you know, this is the 60th anniversary of the death, the assassination of President Kennedy. And uh, the world has been told that there was one lone assassin named Lee Harvey Oswald. Well, here we are several decades later, and even in the most recent polling, almost 70% of the people polled don't believe for a second that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. And when they're polled, they also ask three questions. Who really killed President Kennedy? How was it done, and why was it done? And uh, those are the questions that I answered in in the Pegasus Directive.
0: Mm-hmm. And of course, I guess uh, maybe you can may- maybe answer one of the two questions, or a, or a vague one. Of course, you know you encourage everybody to read the book. And who actually put pre- Kill President Kennedy, and I guess uh, maybe just a little clue as well too. Could that have been inside job? Could have maybe been done in the motorcade. Could it have been someone maybe like an adversary of John F. Kennedy, or could it have been like maybe that was tied to the um Cuban Cuban Missile Crisis, or simply they're trying to get him to um you know a- another conspiracy out there is you know they're trying to get him to join the New World Order, and he refused.
1: Well, if we go back to our beginning of our conversation a few minutes ago, I mentioned that I originally wrote this story from 1972 to 1974. Mm-hmm. So this story was written before all of these other theories came to light. In the Pegasus Directive, my book starts in 1972 with the Soviet spymaster, defecting to the Canadian embassy in Rome, asking that he wants to have political asylum in America in exchange for vital information that he has regarding the future well-being of America and that his information is perishable. But his offer comes with a caveat. He will only surrender to an American agent he knows by the name of Pegasus. Hmm. Well, when Pegasus debriefs this Russian spy master, he finds that he is the number two man in the KGB, a major general. And not only that, he was the mastermind behind the Kennedy assassination.
0: Mm. That is fascinating. And of course, uh, all the Fiendish machinations, um, you know, behind, behind that as well too. And, um, also, you know, some of the other theories have been debunked and um, er- everything else. So I-, I guess the, you know, the big question is it's kind of like, you know, you wonder why.
1: Well, they haven't been able to withstand the test of time. Uh, okay. As you had said before, The a lot of it says, well, it had to be the Cubans. Fidel Castro was angry. Mm-hmm. Then it was the CIA and the FBI were in cahoots with the State Department to get rid of President Kennedy because of his. Uh, political persuasions and uh he was kind of against the industrial military complex that Eisenhower warned about Mm -hmm. so these people saw their power base maybe being erupted by this young charismatic president and uh the theory at the time was he had to go well Mm -hmm. again time has debunked these theories so much so and of course you always come back to the original one with uh The uh, district attorney, Garrison, when he came up with his conspiracy theory against Clay Shaw, and uh, it subsequently became the basis for Oliver Stone's JFK movie in 1991. Great movie, great cast, great story, but uh, at the end of the day, it didn't hold water. (laughs) I'm, I'm saying up until today, none of the theories held water. But the one theory that nobody has really given attention to was, well, how come we really haven't looked at the Russians? They were the ones that had really the most to gain, but they've been kind of conspicuously silent. Well, I answer those silent questions with the uh, Pegasus Directive, and I hope I give my readers something to say, you know what, we've heard a whole lot of theories, but this particular political thriller, and keep in mind it is a thriller, it is a novel, but it's based 90% on historical fact, 10% fiction interwoven. That makes the story somebody will say this is believable and that's from page one right to the climax that hits the reader right out of left field
0: mm-hmm. and also another thing too is that what was the craziest theory that you ever heard of when it came to uh the assassination of President county
1: you know there's probably a theory out there that men from mars were responsible i mean we've all been through the gamut we've all seen the Literally hundreds of books that have been written, some of them weird, some of them well done. I mean, I give people credit. But the general public, even after all these years, they kind of had their vote. And they say 70% of them, we just don't believe anything we've heard today. Lee Harvey Oswald didn't act alone. The Warren Commission rushed to judgment. And uh, it's an unsolved crime of the century. That's where I hope that I kind of resolved the crime
0: for them at mm-hmm. least giving them an alternative where they say, this sounds kind of reasonable. Mm-hmm. And certainly indeed as well too, where can we find the Pegasus Directive and all your books then, Ian?
1: Well, all of the books, of course, as you can imagine, they're available at uh, amazon.com in in all the formats. And of course, they're also available at all fine bookstores everywhere, not just here, but everywhere. Okay. Well, certainly- I would encourage the readers to pick it
0: up, read it. I think they're going to have a whale of a good ride. Mm-hmm. And certainly indeed as well, too. We're here with author Ian L. O'Connor of The Pegasus Destructive here on the Mike Wagner Show. And uh, just a few more things. You've given some great insight to uh, the JFK assassination. I'm going to look more into that. And uh, what else do we expect from you in 2023 and beyond, Ian? Well,
1: I'm working on a new novel, again, with uh, my protagonist uh, from The Seventh Seal and uh, The Barbarossa Covenant, the retired FBI agent. It's called uh, The Masada Option. It's an international thriller. uh, And the uh, thought right now is uh, that it'll be published uh, either in the late spring, early summer. Uh, Again, a international political thriller that comes to the reader out of left field and a book that I think they'll enjoy as much as uh,
0: they would this one. Mm -hmm. And certainly looking forward to it. I'm ready to get the hands on that book as well, too. (laughs) Well, thank (laughs) you. Certainly do. And who do you consider biggest influence in your career? The biggest influence in my career. You know, I've been asked that
1: question before. And of course, obviously your parents have a big influence, but the man who really set me on the right path was my first squadron commander in the air force. Um, he was a quiet individual, but when he walked into a room, he just exuded authority. Uh, he became a mentor. I just listened and, uh, followed what he had done to to lead troops. And I found it to be invaluable in my career. Mm. He was a wonderful mentor. And, you know, all these years later, he's still alive well into his
0: 90s. He wouldn't know that he was that kind of a mentor, but he had a big impact on my life. And certainly indeed as well. And what's the best advice you can give to anybody at this point?
1: Well, my best advice obviously would be towards people that like to write. And it is write, write, and once you've written, then edit, 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 and then write, write, write again. It's, it's a task that has to be nurtured like anything else. And uh, the enjoyment that authors get from it is just
0: just wonderful. Mm-hmm. And indeed, and of course, lastly, read, 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 that's another one too. So <laughs> exactly
1: without reading, you have nothing.
0: There you go. That's really good advice. Once again, with author Ian A. O'Connor of the Pegasus Directive here on the Mike Wagner Show. Ian, a very big thank you for your time. You've been fantastic. Learned a lot. Looking forward to having him again soon. Keep us up to date. Keep in touch. Live, have you back. Once again, what's your website? How do people contact you? Where can people purchase or check out your book, especially the Pegasus Directive?
1: My website is com, And uh, the books are available at Amazon. They're available at all fine bookstores everywhere. Uh, I think you will certainly enjoy the Pegasus Directive and and the other thrillers that I've written. So, and again, I've got to thank you for uh, for being such a gracious host. And uh, it's been my pleasure being with you.
0: And uh, and indeed as well, too. And I uh, hope you will find the answer on who killed JFK soon. Once again, Ian, a very big thank you for your time. You've been absolutely fantastic. Looking forward to having you again soon. Keep us up to date. Keep in touch. Love having you back. Wish you all the best. And Ian, you definitely have a great future. You.
1: Thank you so much. Bye-bye.